Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What is up, football fans? I am Danny Austin. This is the Live from the 55 podcast. We're here at the Nation Network Studios in beautiful Martelloup, Alberta. Calgary, Alberta. I normally say Calgary, Alberta. I can't just claim Alberta all to myself. People up in Edmonton wouldn't like that. Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Guys, I'm excited for this episode. Let's explain the premise here. I got John Bender coming in. You know him. You love him. He's been on the show a bunch of times. He's been all over the States. I know he went to see some playoff baseball. Went down to the University of Nevada. Should probably make sure I got that right. It's not Nevada State or something. We're going to ask John, make sure he doesn't put me in my place. I definitely should have that information in front of me. But I wanted John Bender to come on for a number of reasons. First of all, because I love John Bender and he brings a incredibly educated eye, having formerly played in the CFL, having, you know, played at the highest level of NCAA football. So I'm calling Kaepernick's team. So I just love having him come in because he sort of he, he brings a different perspective than some of us media guys do. And I think that's important. But also every year I get to this stage of the game, stage of the season. It's time for for CFL end of season awards ballots. They start coming out all star ballots. And I have trouble picking the offensive line. The reality is I go to coaches. I ask other players. I canvass as many people as possible because the reality is when I'm watching Winnipeg play BC, when I'm watching Saskatchewan play Montreal, I try. It's not like I'm not making notes. I'm not seeing the, seeing the work the O-line is doing on some level, but I don't really know what's happening with the offensive line as much as they do. And John Bender is a guy who played offensive line, knows the offensive line, and I want to get his perspective on that because I think it's important. I think that it's a position group that often we do get wrong. And sometimes I accuse everyone of getting it wrong and I am wrong, but I want to know. I, I realistically, you know, I cover the Calgary Stampeders. I'm not sure we're getting all stars on the O-line from Calgary this year. I don't, I certainly don't think of the tackle positions and I'm not sure about the interior. I don't think that it's been the dominant group that it was last year, but we'll see. Maybe John Bender's got a different opinion. What I want a little bit here, not just to talk O-line, we're going to talk about the entire CFL. There's so much to talk about, and I want to talk about all of it. I'm lucky to have a, a friend in John, but I do want to do a little bit of O-line talk. Let's talk offensive line, guys. I don't know. Tell me, is Stanley Bryant still the best left tackle in the league? Could be. You know, those Argos look pretty good. They're not allowing many sacks. So, yeah, I do want to talk a little bit about that with John Bender. Make sure maybe we just kind of get it out there. Maybe people listen to it say, okay. That's something to think about. Maybe we get it right this year. Because if I'm being totally honest with you, there were a couple spots where I just did not think that the media group, it's not just the media. Of course, there's, there's voting elsewhere. But I don't necessarily know that we got it right last year. And, you know, I look at I look at sacks allowed. The Argos are 15. That's half as many sacks allowed as any team in the CFL. It's pretty good. That suggests to me that we're going to have a couple Argos offensive linemen on that all-star team, certainly on the East all-star team. But I also look at the rushing yards, which are a huge, huge part of the offensive line's play. And I see the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They're a full nine yards ahead of any other team in the CFL with 136. Now, you can tell me Brady Oliveira, that's all him. And I'm not going to argue with you. I love Brady Oliveira. I think he's by far the best, um, the best running back in the league. And I am beginning more and more. Like, I'm not going to say... But I'm voting for him as my West Division most outstanding player. Still think Zach's been great. I think Vernon Adams Jr. has been absolutely terrific this year. There's a lot to talk about. I probably am leaning towards someone from Winnipeg. 
but haven't broken that down. All I know is Brady Oliveira has been great, but you don't run the ball that way without some major some major holes being created and some good work being done by your O-line. So certainly lots of guys from Winnipeg there. Toronto's still, you know, they're fourth in the league. I think Toronto's had a had a good season on, on the ground too. You know, Ottawa's second. So I look, I don't know. That's the reality. You know, Ottawa has the second most rushing yards and the most sacks allowed. So not great. So look, this is why we have John Bender. Why am I talking about it? This is all a preview for my man, John Bender, who, as you can tell, I'm excited to have um other news i shaved people on youtube regular watchers may notice that if you are someone listening on you know on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcast that's going to mean absolutely nothing to you and given that that is 95 percent of the people that our data tells us are actually engaging with the show chances are i don't need to talk about shaving for much longer um yeah we got a fun show um it's been an interesting week i always say that but this week in particular i mean i woke up this morning doing some flames work checking out my cfl news and it came out that nathan rourke has been promoted to the active roster down down in the states for the jacksonville jaguars um trevor lawrence dealing with a little bit of an injury like this is a really big exciting moment in my opinion for canadian football i i think that when nathan signed in jacksonville there were a whole lot of people who said why are you signing there you know you're behind ultimately like a starting quarterback who's gonna who's considered to be, you know, an elite, elite talent. Certainly uh, a guy a lot of people view as being one of the future faces of the NFL. So what kind of opportunity are you going to get? And then he had this great preseason uh, highlight reel throw that you know, Patrick Mahomes was commenting on when Patrick Mahomes is commenting on, on one of your plays, you know, you're doing something right. And he still only made practice roster. And, you know, we heard a lot of frustration from fans who just want to see Nathan play because he was so spectacular with the Lions last year. Um, just a, a, a talent unlike any young quarterback we've seen in a really long time. And I think the fact that he is Canadian and we all waited so, so, so long for a Canadian quarterback to come, you know, actually be able to start in the CFL, let alone get playing time in the NFL seemed like some sort of far off dream it, it, it for decades, really. I mean, my first five, six years covering the CFL, it didn't seem, you know, you had guys like Andrew Buckley, like Franklin, you had guys who, you know, who were, we're coming up and we're getting close, but you know, they didn't have that Nathan Rourke talent. You weren't worried that they were going to go immediately down to the NFL. And I know that on some level we want our stars to stay in the NFL or in the CFL. I, I apologize. And, and, and we want them to thrive here and they want, we want them to be the guys who lift the league up. But I, I do think that Nathan Rourke getting an opportunity um, being on the active roster, potentially at some point getting playing time, who knows uh, that's a big step in the right direction for Canadian football. And I think, as goes Canadian football, as goes the CFL. I honestly do believe that. And it's, it's the same thing. I mean, Trey Ford, who I've speculated here, I'd be shocked if he didn't get an NFL opportunity, which would really bum me out because I think that what he's doing in Edmonton, this, the back half of the season, should rejuvenate that market, should bring fans in Edmonton back to the stadium, back to Commonwealth next year. It, it's a really, really exciting thing. But then I look at his speed and I think that's rare. That's unique. That's not something that we see all the time. And I do think that his passing has been good enough in general that, you know, if he continues to work and develop and, you know, that being a U sports guy, if he gets an NFL shot, it's another quarterback we don't have in our league. It's following in Nathan Rourke's footsteps, but I still think it elevates the game. It, it, it shows the Canadian football. It's working our, our development process, you know, there you can succeed as a young quarterback in Canada. So I just think this is a really, really, really big deal. Nathan Rourke has been added to the active roster. No idea if he sees playing time, but seeing that it says, Hey, look, this guy is betting on himself. He went to a, a, a situation where people thought the opportunity might be better, but the opportunity has presented himself. So credit to Nathan Rourke. He, he appears to have gotten this one, right? Whether he gets in or, or not. Um, elsewhere around the league. I don't know. Been a bit of a weird week looking at the games. I mean, we've got the stamps and lions on Friday night. This is a game. I've said from the start, like when I looked at the schedule, sort of after the Stampeders dropped that Labor Day replay, Labor Day rematch, people don't like when I say Labor Day replay. Someone said that along the way, and I stuck with me. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but yeah, that, since they lost that Labor Day rematch to Edmonton, and you were like, oh man, how are they going to catch Saskatchewan? I always had this one just crossed off. This was going to be a loss. I saw the Stampeders get dominated in mid-August by the Lions in BC Place. 
I don't think that we have seen substantial improvement from the Stamps. And I actually do think that the Lions really look like a team that is just sort of in playoff mode. They're they're ready for the fight every week. So I have a really, really hard time seeing the Stampeders win this one. I do think that what's more more likely is that the, the Bombers rest their players next week when they come to Calgary. And potentially we might see the Stamps be able to pull that one off and, and sneak their way into the playoffs. Now, what has to happen? The Riders need to lose to the Argos on Saturday. That is on paper, given the way the riders have just completely tanked. Um, not saying tanked intentionally, not saying it tanked in the, oh, we're trying to get draft picks. That's not what I'm trying to imply in any way. But their season's just gone so badly, uh, really, since Labor Day. Um, there's no real world in which I see them being the Argos here, even if the Argos are resting players, even if Chad Kelly doesn't start. I just don't think the riders are really a good enough team. Um, the Argos have sort of set that standard. For the entire league, I think that they have been locked in. They've only lost two games. Chad Kelly hasn't played either of them. One way or another, I, I just I have trouble seeing the Riders win this. And if the Riders lose this game to the Argos, um, all the Stamps need to do is beat a Bombers team next week. Now, the Bombers are playing the Elks. Um, the Bombers are at home on Sunday. Am I right about that? 19th, 20th, 21st. I don't know. On Saturday. So there's a doubleheader on Saturday. My bad. My apologies. Um, but the Bombers should beat the Elks. Bombers want to lock up first in the West, win this one, and first place is is locked up. You're good to go. You can rest guys in that last week. Now you have a bye week in the first week of the playoffs. So how many players are you resting? But you're you're certainly probably trying to protect your playbook a little bit, one way or another. I just I I, I sort of think these three games are, are pretty easy to predict, with a few caveats that maybe the Argos don't play as many players. Maybe the Bombers try to, you know, how what motivated are the Elks going to be? I hate to say that, and I'm not suggesting there's anything wrong with that, but it's their last game of the season. They're out of the playoffs. Are they really putting it out all, all on the line? I don't know. I'm I'm pretty comfortably calling the Lions win over the Stamps and Argos win over the Riders and Winnipeg beating the Elks. Who knows? CFL, though. We say this every week. Every week we're wrong. There's nothing predictable about our crazy little league. Uh, beyond that, you know, I look around. I've, I've had a couple people... You know, friends in my life. My mom wrote me. She wrote, Tommy Lee Lewis, what is going on? Uh, Tommy Lee Lewis is suspended by the Stampeders, uh, was removed sort of he's not on on their online roster page, has not been to practice this week. That was reported by uh, my friend and yours, former guest on the show, Solomon Valji from TSN. Um, my sense is that this isn't that big a deal. I have no idea. I'm being truthful here. Um, I, I have no idea what is happening here. But the way this was, they did not release Tommy Lee Lewis. A suspension can mean a lot of things. I am not going to sit here and speculate. That's not who I am. I do not know what is happening, but I'm just not sure that this is the end of the world. This might not be Markeith Ambos getting released. Like, there might not be some, any drama here. Not that I know what happened with Markeith. I'll sort of speculate on that a little bit. But yeah, I just, I, I think Tommy Lee Lewis is still part of the St. Peter's plans, whether that's this year or next year. But, um, Hard to say beyond that. Um, and yeah, you know, there's bits and bites happening around the league, but I don't think we need to spend too much time on them, especially when we have John Bender popping in. He has texted me. He's on his way. Can't wait to see him. Um, but before we go, you know, I said last episode, we, we do a little a throw to our Mugs Pug promo, but I want to make sure that people are aware because I'm a big fan of Mugs Pub, one of my favorite places in the city. Um, talked a little bit about their happy hour last episode, but I do want to just quickly just run through before we go to their ad. This is going to be a lot of Mugs Pub in a row, but I love Mugs. You guys should check out Mugs. Monday, they got Monday Night Football. They got an open jam. $6 off pints. $12 hot dog feature. I don't think that's $6 off pints. I think that's $6 on off pints. Um, wing night, 7 bucks. Wings and rib bites, that's Tuesday. $24 buckets of tool shed on Tuesday. Wednesday is trivia night. I swear on my life, it is the best trivia in the city. I love it there. Dollar off pints, $2 off burgers. Thursday night football on Thursday, $15 pizza and a pint. Their pizza is honestly amazing. Yesterday, I love their fish and chips. Uh, yeah, $30 pizza and a jug. It's different events every week on Friday. Fish and chips on special. I'm not kidding. You will not be disappointed. $24. Jugs, yacht lager. Look, it goes on. They got stuff Saturday and Sunday too. But make sure you check out Mike's Pub. Let's throw to our ad. And let's get to John Bender. Guys, let's say you're having a party. Let's say you're having a picnic. Let's say you're having any occasion. I got to talk to you about Fraser and Fig. Because I love these guys. Here in Marta Loop, a couple storefronts down from our studio here. 
Fraser and Fignan, these guys do these delicious elevated cheese and charcuterie boxes. You know, they're made with all these fresh artisanal ingredients, on-demand grazing, pickup, delivery. You got it. Just let them know what you want. They will get it to you. Honestly, I'm such a big fan. I had a picnic a little while ago. I brought one of their curated boxes and it was a huge hit. I looked great. People loved it. We're hungry. They weren't hungry anymore. These ready-to-go boxes, they got them in four sizes. All their boxes come with meat, cheese, dried fruit, fresh fruit, nuts, olives, pickles, and carrots. Their selections vary from month to month. Choices are always new. You know, just because you've had one doesn't mean you've had them all. I love Fraser and Fig. I love having them as a sponsor. They're the best. Make sure you check them out. Tell them by from the 55 sent you. All right. John Bender, it's good to have you, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. How are you doing? Doing really good. Doing really good. Um, I'm gonna start straight up. You just got back from like what seemed like the most epic sports trip through the states. I, I don't know what we even call it. I know you went to baseball playoffs. I know you went to your alma mater. Tell me about the trip. What were you doing down there? Uh, it was good. It was busy. Um, I got a lot of friends in the States from, you know, playing down there for a long time and from my connections that I've had in Calgary and from you know playing the CFL and everything else. So anytime I do a big trip like that, I usually reach out to a few different places and a few different people and say, Hey, you know, I'm just trying to line up a few things. So I did five nights in Nashville to start the trip. I have a good buddy down there. I stayed with him for a while, him and his wife. And one of my buddies from up here came with us. So that was fun. Never done Nashville before. So it was amazing city, isn't great it? Great to check all that out. And there's lots to do there. Really exciting. And then uh, I didn't realize how close, you know, Broadway was to the Titans game after either. It's right there. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You walk out, it's like a 10 minute walk and there's 70,000 people pouring on the Broadway at 3 p.m. on a Sunday. So that was really interesting, really exciting, really fun. And then uh, we obviously, I had to go to Vanderbilt game when I was there too. Just wanted to check out their stadium, their facilities, things like that. Cool. It was fun to see an SEC school and everything as well. But uh, yeah, they had a lot of work to do in that stadium there. So Do they? Eh? Yeah, well, they, in the middle of the stadium, if you guys want to look up pictures, um, <clears throat> quite literally, the scoreboard is being hung up with, like, a tractor. <laughs> and okay. there's literally, like, caterpillars and stuff, like, just sitting in the – in the zone there because wow. they're obviously bowling in the stadium so they got a lot of work to do there but football's got to go on so it's been busy yeah i uh the I, i've said this the only college football game that i've been to is at oregon which obviously with phil knight money uh, uh, i actually don't know if it's phil knight money but I, like i'm pretty sure it's phil knight. it's like one of the nicest stadiums like nfl college whatever so i have this very like you know like rose colored glasses view sure. of what all the stadiums are and you forget that they're not all like that yeah yeah for sure i've been to, i think I, I did a count when i was on my trip when i was bored one day and i think i got to 22 ncaa stadiums so far wow so there's 130 obviously i don't think i'll get to all of them but it's been cool to check out a lot of them throughout the years what's the nicest that you've been to oh probably at at nebraska at notre dame um those those two stadiums hold eighty five thousand, and there's you know they're busy there's lots there nice uh I know you went to the Twins Jays game as well. Yeah. Um, and then you finished off at your alma mater. What was that like? Uh, it was awesome to get back. Yes. Yeah, so I just had a gap there. I knew that I wanted to get back to Reno at some point the next week and in between Nashville and there. I was waiting to see what the Blue Jays did. So I went up to Minneapolis there for a few days, watched the Jays games. Those didn't go as well as I would have hoped, but uh, it was fun. It was a cool city to get to. And then, yeah, I uh, went back to my alma mater there in Reno, Nevada. And yeah, just haven't been back a lot. You know, you just get busy with life and everything going on. Graduated in 2010, and uh, I had figured out that I'd only been back for about five or six days since I graduated. So, um, you know, since I moved uh, up here to play for the Stampeders in May of 2011, I just hadn't been back a lot. So I spent nine days there. So that was great. I uh, got a rental vehicle and just, you know, drove around to go visit all my friends. I'm amazed at how many people still live in Reno and, you know, how many, you know, I'm driving around seeing billboards of old teammates or old classmates and, you know, a lot of the people I went to school with seemed like, you know, they're running that city and tons of real estate development. It's been a busy place. Cool. Um, are you still, do you still get the red carpet treatment? Because, I mean, that 2010 team you were on right. is sort of legendary, like one of the great rushing teams in NCAA history, if not the great, right? Right. So the first thing you should know about Reno is they don't do red. They do. Uh, so when we play Nevada, our colors were blue and silver. And uh, our, uh, you know, our biggest rival there with UNLV was red. So they play for the battle for the Fremont cannon every year. It's a big trophy. I think it's worth $80,000 or something. It's an actual cannon and it fires. So it's actually really unique because when whichever team has it, they use it as their touchdown celebration. 
So Nevada, oh, wow. when the whole time I was there, every time we scored a touchdown, that cannon went off, and it was which means really you never exciting. lost that game. What's that? Which means you never yeah, lost that game. Yeah, we never lost that game when I was there. That's right. But then going back to Nevada this time, they didn't have their cannon was red, and they were playing UNLV, and UNLV did end up winning. But to see Nevada score touchdowns and be like, "What's? Oh yeah, there's yeah, no right. cannon." So it's kind of like a constant reminder that you know you got to beat your rival to uh, you know have great things for the program and yeah going back and going seeing the facilities the facilities are similar when i was there they've been updated quite a bit but uh, a lot of my former teammates and you know our names are all over the place and graphics are all over the place and you know all the you know the two running backs i played with and of course, Colin Kaepernick are all, you know, there's a big wall monument of them showing all their career rushing yards. So that was really cool to see. Uh, wasn't a ton of uh, things for the offensive line there besides uh, <laughs> Joe Batonio, who did donate a lot of money to the weight room. And then his graphics are all over in there. But, of course. Yeah. Well, I will say that at the very least from 2020, uh, there is an article by Chris Murray from Nevada Sportsnet talking about how you were the sandpaper man of Nevada's historic 2010 team. So right. you did have a impact there. Yes. I mean, they always looked at me as a bit of the, you know, the guy that kind of got dragged everybody into it. And when I was in Nevada, I actually did, did a 30 minute sit down interview like this with Chris Murray and, uh, you know, know, they're always excited to have you back. But yeah, when I came back in 2014, I was at Cody Fajardo's senior day. They had me flip the coin. They had me come out of timeout and wave and do all those things. So that was really exciting, but yeah, didn't not too much this time, but there was a lot of alumni in town. And I mean, that's a program that just needs a win as much as they can. So the tailgate that you went to looked amazing. I obviously follow you on Instagram and I was like, I mean, I I think that we do tailgating in Calgary in particular. Like I I do think it's the best in the CFL Uh, fans in other markets sometimes hate when I say that, but I believe that. But then you look at some of those American tailgates and you're like, you you sort of feel like people's whole years are built around it on some level. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, To just go to the alumni tailgate that they had there at Nevada, they had about 15 tri-tips, uh, Roasting there and just and you know everybody's you know if you're a former player you're an alumni you're allowed to come there's an area there and I'm sure a lot of you know connections are made business deals are done there and you're only allowed in that area if you're with with an alumni or are an alumni so that was really interesting and fun to pop in there and see say hi to a lot of guys that have played over the years and like I said there's a ton of guys that moved to Nevada and started their business careers or you know whatever their careers are after that and uh, just you know they're guys that that have been there. And, really help build, build the program and build the city. Amazing. Um, so, I mean, I want to talk to you about a lot of things. Um, that is, I, I, that you are not only here to talk about offensive lines, but I sort of said this in my introduction. Part of the reason, like, I find it as a media member, because we have, a, you know, we, we have a significant influence on where all-star voting goes, where we're obviously end-of-season awards, but I think it's more pronounced in all-star that when it comes to voting for the offensive line, I honestly think that a lot of us, in the FRC, um, who vote don't necessarily, I'm not going to say know what we're talking about, but I think that the votes have gone wrong a a number of years. So rather than sort of debating that, I want to ask, what do you think we should be looking for when it comes to the end of the year? Because you watch so many CFL games. All of us watch so many CFL games during the season. For those of us who haven't played, our eyes aren't always immediately drawn. So I can look at who had the who's allowed the least sacks. I can look at rushing yards. But what are you looking? What would you be recommending that we look at? I guess would be my start starting question. So I mean, first and foremost, I mean, I the way that I view football is everything kind of starts and ends up front, and that's on the offensive line and defensive line, and whoever wins those battle often wins the football game. And I know that a casual fan, they're often just watching, you know, who has the football, who's carrying the football, where's the football going. Well. I'm, you know, kind of reading the play kind of in advance. It's kind of like a chess game, right? You're looking at the offensive line and you're saying, you know what? It's, you know, third and three. They need a first down here. Where are they going? Mm -hmm. And, oh, they're running to the right side behind, you know, a guy like Josh Hardrick and, uh, you know, having a big, having a big season there in Winnipeg. Yeah, maybe that's an opportunity for them to, uh, you know, look at those things. Maybe they're running behind Stanley Bryant on the left side. Maybe, you know, we're looking at, uh, you know, big play receiver. Maybe we're doing things like that. So I'm looking at, you know, when it's time, who are they leaning towards? Who is the team, you know, leaning towards? And when you look at these great teams that have done well, I mean, there's three great teams in the CFL right now, I believe, between Winnipeg, Toronto, and BC, who have really, you know, shown that they'll probably be 12 and 16. Sort of. You don't have Montreal there just yet? Uh, not yet. I mean, okay. they're, they're 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 close. They're they're yeah. getting there. But I mean, there's a good chance Winnipeg, BC, and Toronto will all win 12 plus games. Yep. 
I mean, I think that's that's elite play in the CFL, and I think that's great. So when I look at those offensive lines, I'm saying, you know, when they need to run the football, when they need a pass play, you know, where are they leaning on? And, you know, it seems like, you know, they can run the football whenever they need to. They can, you know, pass whenever they need to. So when you look at the goal line, when you look at those things and you say, hey, you know what, there's a reason they're running to the left. There's a reason they're running to the right. It's because they think they might have mismatches in the offensive line that they can try to exploit. And, um, you know, I think a great guy that's played for a long time is Stanley Bryant. I know he's getting later on in his career. But uh, I expected a big drop off from Stanley Bryant this year. To be honest, I thought last year where like he still was one of the elite. I'm not saying that he was not great last year, but I thought a little bit. I was like, okay, well, you know, we're beginning to see the regression. And early in the year, maybe there were a couple games, but I don't think I think Stanley Bryant's been excellent this year. Yeah, I think he's been good, too. Um, you know, I think that we're all kind of waiting for him to fall off. I mean, he used to play with me, so he's, he's old. <laughs> he's getting up there. He's a couple years older than I am, I think. So, yeah, yeah he, he's, he's right up there, and it's, uh, it's been impressive how long he's been able to play and play at a high level. And, uh, you know, when I look at, you know, I think, you know, to your point before, talking about the media members maybe don't know exactly what to look for. When we watch a football game as, you know, fans, as media members, you only ever get that sideline view. As an offensive lineman, we always get that view from the back, and you can really watch where the holes open up, and you can really watch how the play design and, you know, how the pocket's formed. Mm-hmm. And I think that we lose a little bit of that when we watch as casual fans. And, I you know, it's always something I wish I had access to was the you know, the extra film and seeing that opportunity from the from different angles. But uh, yeah, I mean, to more to your point, I think five or six years ago, when there's, I know that you guys have the writers that vote for the All Star Awards. Mm-hmm. I had people in my DMs from I think seven of the nine CFL cities <laughs> saying, "Hey, um, you know, who should I vote for for this yeah. offensive line award?" And I'm not sure I'm, you know, I should be able to vote for this because I'm not really sure who to vote for. I need some help. So, you know, I've done some phone calls. I've reviewed some film. I've hopped on Zoom calls and talked to a few media members in Canada over the years and just said, hey, these are the things I'm looking for. This is whether this opens up. This is why, you know, I like this play, things like that. But, I mean, there's only so much you can teach and only so much you can do in such a limited time. So, yeah, I mean, there's been some, you know, awards over the years. And I'm like, who was voting for what? Like, eh. Oh, I mean, <laughs> well, and I – I mean, last year they sent out the wrong All-Stars, so that was part of right. it. But, no, it's something that, to be honest, since 2016, um, the Stampeders have always been quite good at giving us access to coaches. And, you know, I'd always talk to players on the side because, in my opinion, like, who knows? Like, you look at left tackle. Who's going to know who the best left tackle in the league is more than the defensive end? True. So I would always ask. I, I'd try to ask, like, hey, who are the actual guys? And I think that, look, when you're not – when the CFLPA All-Star comes out, this comes out there's always biases there as well so there's no perfect system i'm not saying that it should just be the players but my idea was just canvas as many as many people who would be in the know as possible but it's just such a tough position because there aren't really stats available right and and that's where I, i i run into a bit of an issue with it um and i mean i know you know i was looking at i i said this in the intro it's like okay well the argos have allowed only 15 sacks that is half as many sacks that to me on the surface, as, as sort of an uneducated, as a guy who's tried to learn, but will we'll never have played, will never have understood the, right. will never understand the intricacies, that's pretty obvious. Well, Winnipeg's running the ball most. You can't run the ball unless there's holes. So you can always sort of look at those and then begin to canvas right. people, but there's not a perfect stat because the reality is sometimes the team that allows the least sacks has designed their whole system around getting the ball out of their quarterback's hands as quickly as possible. So I guess I'm not really asking a question so much as I find it really difficult. Yeah, no, and I mean, that's that's 100% true. I always look at the there's, – there's three metrics I look at for as far as offensive line play. So first things first is it's a team position. Mm-hmm. So, like, the pl- the players aren't going out just to do one-on-one blocks all day. Oftentimes, they're double-teaming, they're moving backers, they're going to, to linebacker depth, they're doing different things that they need to. So, I mean, the biggest things that I'm looking for is, you know, what, how many sacks did they allow? Was it a low number? Is the rushing yards good? And did they win football games? Yeah. If they're doing those three things, often the first two lead to the third, and then it's, well, okay, well, who in this position group would be considered elite? Mm-hmm. And maybe one or two of those guys, so maybe the top two offensive linemen in that five-man group on the best team for those other metrics we talked about become CFL All-Stars. But the tough part that I see is that often it seems like they just look at the highest-paid CFL offensive yeah. linemen 
and they kind of go through that list from the top and they said obviously these guys are paid a lot because they're very very good but if you're a hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If I off its lineman in your first three years, it is really tough to get on that list because you just haven't been around a lot. You're not on the high money making list. And, you know, it's uh, tough to, you know, get on the field and stay on the field in, in your first year, especially but then year two and three often you know, really picks up for these guys. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing is I, I look at this Toronto offensive line and it's actually like, it's not the big names who have been all-stars years, year after year after year. Right. I suspect Sirocco will be a bit of a, you know, just he's automatically in there um, at center. I do think, I mean, when we're talking, I'm not going to break it down into division right now. I don't think that I have the details to do that in a way that right. comes across even vaguely as educated. But I, I, I do just, it's hard for me. And it's one of the things I'm going to have to talk to coaches about in the coming weeks. It just seems very obvious that, that, that look, it's the three teams that you said. Like, it's going to be some combination. The Argos have allowed half as many sacks as any other team in the league. Curiously, the Stamps are second surprises me because i would argue that the stamps are lines had a particularly difficult year um yeah. but they've clearly made it a priority to get the ball out of jake's hands quickly um what have you noticed about the stamps o-line uh the stampeders o-line so i mean that's a veteran group i think we all kind of expected them to be an elite group they haven't run the football as well as i would have liked and i think part of that is kadeem carry getting banged up and a part of that is just being down a lot in the football game. Yeah. It's hard to get your run game going when you're down 14. So um, also Zach Williams was hurt and missed a big sure. part of camp. So it took a little while to get going. McEwen's been dealing with an right. injury like that. And then, I mean, look, look, be honest that the tackle positions have just been a rotating group of guys, which is, right. you probably know better than anyone. O-line, everything someone tells me, anyone tells me when Shane Bergman and Derek Dennis were just dominating that left side of the Stampeders O-line, year after year game after year they were like oh we basically are one brain together this is a, it is a position where the guy next right. to you you like the more you know about his who he is as a player the more it helps you out yeah absolutely i think the greatest thing that people the, the greatest strength an offensive line has is its continuity and if you can keep the same players playing together and they play at a high level for a long time you're gonna win a lot of football games but when you have to shuffle the deck from poor play or injury or a combination of both it's going to present challenges and I mean, the tough part about offensive line is when someone you know missteps makes a long wrong play doesn't know what the guy beside him is going to do in that moment because i mean you know the tough part about offensive line is you can have a great game plan that what you're going to do but things change literally in front of you while the snap count is happening. <laughs> so we can know that, yeah, me and this tackle, I could be playing guard. Me and the tackle are taking this defensive tackle in front of us. We're going to that linebacker. They're in a four-man front with three linebackers. Well, in the cadence, they could shift to a three-man front with a stand-up backer on the side, and then all of our rules change on what we're going to do. And you don't have time to be like, hey, buddy, I'm... I'm There's no... <laughs> yeah. And, oh, by the way, if you're in a away game, you might as well have a lawnmower beside <laughs> you 
<laughs> or in the huddle because it's 80 decibels or 100 decibels going off. So it's very challenging as an offensive line to, you know, communicate as much as you need to and in such a short window. So I always tell people that, you know, the toughest part about offensive line is let's say you were talking to somebody in the office and they pull the lawnmower into the meeting room and they put a 20 second play clock on, yeah. you know, time to make decisions and here you well, let's go, let's get things going. So, I mean, that's kind of the, you know, how offensive line play is all the time. And the more reps you get with other guys that you're playing with, the better and the more continuity you get. The tough part about the CFL is that there's just not a ton of practices. There's not the OTAs. There's not the off-season things. It's just, you know, show up in training camp, get things going, and hopefully everybody stays healthy. And if they don't, well, it's going to be a lot of learning on the fly. So I think that's probably the biggest part. And I think that the Stampeders, we were expecting big things from the three guys in the middle that have been around for a long time. They're, you know, they're veteran players. They're all Canadians. They've all done a great job. And I don't think they've been bad necessarily. Right. Like, I, I, I've been careful to say that, and I don't want to beat up on these rookie left and right tackles who have come in sure but i do think that this is a team that lost eric dennis i mean by choice they lost eric dennis but eric dennis was in my opinion had he been able had he not broken his leg late in the year he was cruising to most outstanding offensive linemen in the cfl last season he was sure. absolutely exceptional um and then julian good jones went to the philadelphia eagles which should tell you how good he is that he right. went to the nfl and stuck around i mean i believe he's still practice squad but like he so you know the it was inevitable that there would be a little bit of drop, a drop off. And then there've been injuries one after the other. So I, I have full sympathy. I think Bryce Bell is back this week, but um, I, I, I full sympathy. I am not trying to, to bash them on any level, sure. but I, I do think that those two tackle positions have more been a concern. Let's say that. Yeah. I mean, they just haven't been the strength that they usually are. Yeah. When you look at the great teams that the Stampeders have had that have won great cups, that offensive line is dominant. Like, oh, man, Dan Federkyle? Like, sure, they're great. Yeah. Dan Federkyle, John Gott, Stanley Bryant, you know, yep. going, going back further, there's lots of great guys that I've played with over the years. And there always was that depth that was sitting there that was, you know, ready to go. And when I was playing on the team in 2011, the backups included, like, Spencer Wilson, who played for six years, John God, who played for seven years, J. Michael Dean, who played for eight or nine years. And these guys were sitting in the backups just waiting for their opportunity. Yeah. I don't think the Stampeders have that depth that they had, and I think part of that is, you know, the sit-out season in 2020. They weren't able to, you know, get the usual depth that they have, and I think that we're kind of seeing that now that, you know, they lost two of their tackles, and now they're like, well, we don't have a ton of depth of that position, and now we're trying to, you know, learn on the fly and grow on the fly, and it's been challenging. Well, and people, and I will just uh, like add to that. I mean, Hugh Thornton was sort of the plan at right tackle, as far as sure. I could tell, and he he got hurt and was out for the season, and like that's a that's a big loss. This is not this is not me trying to say, oh, they completely screwed this up. There was bad luck involved, but it does seem, and I don't want to only talk about offensive line with you, which I'm sort of I've been loving this, so I've been keeping on it, but. It does also seem like, like the NFL can't find enough offensive linemen. Like it is, there are just not that many men that size with the athletic ability to come in and go against absolutely monsters like the, the defensive linemen in both the NFL and the CFL. So it is an incredibly difficult position to find talent. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that, you know, you got, you got, there's only so many guys out there that are six foot four plus and 300 pounds plus and really athletic. And I think that, you know, what we've seen over the years is that just the way that they construct rosters, it seems like they're getting more and more defensive linemen into the, you know, into the, you know, they got more and more that are in rotation. So now as a, you know, offensive lineman, one of the greatest things, you know, one of the biggest things I hated when I played offensive line is like I mentioned playing at Nebraska at wherever, you know, it'd be the 13th play in the drive and all of a sudden this new guy comes in. <laughs> and who's this yeah, you're exhausted and, and i'm is. yeah i'm tired like i'm you know it's 90 degrees out it's you know 90 percent humidity i'm 13 plays into a drive and this new guy rolls in and you're like <laughs> what's going on you know and i yeah. think when the cfl a lot of the stuff like that happens as well as an offensive line and i mean what the teams need to do i think a bit more is really wear down these d lines with the run game and i think that you'll have a lot more success in the pass game later on because you know, those offensive linemen are bigger. Oftentimes the guys in the pros are 320. Oftentimes the D linemen are under 275 as the CFL, especially, especially on the end positions. And if you can rough those guys up a little bit later on in the game, it gets easier. Mm -hmm. But if you're having a hard time running the football and getting things going, you're going to have a long day because yeah, no you know, you're going to get into a lot of – a lot of second and long I mean, and a lot of rotation and you just 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 not a great fit 
I'm nearly 40 and don't have the athleticism or strength of an offensive. So it all seems like one play in my, like, I'm going to just be in physio for three <laughs> months. So, um, no, I think it's incredible. Okay. And so thank you for explaining that because to be honest, like I, I, I did you, and this is something when you and I first met, you, you had sort of said to me, like, you know, you'd love it if you saw myself and my, my media colleagues, like talk more about O-line. So I really wanted to do it. Um, and, you know, Derek's come on and talked a little bit about it yeah. uh, as well. But I, I do think it's so important and it's so hard because, again, without stats to back stuff up, you right. you, you sort of feel like you're just going, everything's I, anecdotal. I wasn't trying to pick on you. I say that to No, every, oh, no, 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 no. I, I appreciate I, yeah, it. Yeah, I say that to every media member I meet. More offensive yeah. line chat. Or when they say something <laughs> about the offensive line, I'm saying, hey, great article. Keep this up. You do. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're far more encouraging. <laughs> and I, and you always have been. And, and you've helped me out in a huge way. And to be honest, like, so is like, so have all the O-line. Because I, I like quite famously, this is a number of years back, um, a quarterback who was not Bo was in and was getting sacked again and again and again. And I wrote a story criticizing the O-line. And the Stamps O-line was not particularly happy with me. But one of them pulled me aside and was like, he, he's very early in his career and doesn't know how to move around the pocket. And what they said was like, what Bo was better at than anybody was reading where the pressure was coming from and moving away and, and using the O-line used him and he used right. the O-line. And Bo was this like supposedly not mobile quarterback, but understood the pocket, understood where to move and understood how to like find his receivers in, in those situations. And that actually this quarterback was just basically a sitting duck and it was impossible. So, right. you know, I, I just think that it's so complex and that's why stuff like sacks allowed, I don't think is a perfect stat entirely. Right. And yeah, I mean, I I would 100% agree. There's times in a football game where they're going to rush six or seven. You got five offensive linemen. We always say, you know, that guy might be the running backs. Quarterback's hot off this guy. Yeah. And you try to make sure he's the outside guy. And, uh, you know, and the quarterback's got to figure it out because we don't have enough guys to block him. So <laughs> you, you got to get away from that guy. Yeah. Good luck. And if it doesn't work out, well, if you sit in the pocket too long, you're going to get hit. But if you see a guy over there, maybe you start drifting a little bit to the left before you throw, it's things still, like that. It's still, like, for as good as the Bombers O-line is, and now we're just going to transition. Like, it's what I love about Zach Caleros is, like, I actually, like, don't get me wrong. I love seeing him sitting in the pocket and just firing darts. But there's nothing I love more than when the pocket collapse and he has, he has to roll out. It's just it's the most exciting play in the CFL, in my opinion. When he's rolling out, his receivers are going downfield, and you just know he's going to launch it sure. 35 yards over the top. And I think he's been the best for the last four or five years, four years in the CFL at that. Right. Um, do the Bombers beat the Lions? Um, they are facing or they're hosting the West Division Final at home, pretty much guaranteed at this point. They're going to beat Edmonton this week, lock it up. Does that like how much of an advantage is playing at home in Winnipeg in mid-November? I mean, I think it's a huge advantage. I think that that's a team that's constructed to play playoff football. I mean, we can talk about throwing the football around 40 times a game all we want, but the reality is, is when it's November, it could be minus 10, it could be a foot of snow. And then you got Brady Oliver. Yeah, and then you got to run the football probably 30 times that game. And you got a big Canadian running back there and Brady Oliveira. You got a big offensive line. And, you know, I think that you have to have a team that's built for the playoffs, too. And I think that that's one of the things the Blue Bombers have done such a great job of over the years, whether it was Andrew Harris, Brady Oliveira, or, you know, just the offensive line, what they're able to do. And then Zach Caleros, he'll pick his spots when he needs to. But if there's, you know, that team can does a great job running the football, does a great job playing defense with, you know, their two big DNs there, Willie Jefferson and Jacqueline Jeffcoat. And they become a really big, you know, problem for teams to handle because of how well they beat you up on both sides of the line of scrimmage. And, I mean, that's why Winnipeg has been such a you know juggernaut in the CFL since you know, they came here in Calgary in 2019 and they beat the Stampeders in the playoffs. And since that moment, it's been, you know, hold on and watch out. Do you think Brady Oliveira is the West Division MOP? Because I think it's between him. Be right up there. I yeah. think it's between him and Zach. And I, I, for me, I have Vernon very close. But I, I do think that at this point, that game between the two of them in BC with Winnipeg winning um, away from home, biggest game of the year, for me, pushed it towards them probably picking someone out of Winnipeg. I think Vernon's been amazing. And it shouldn't just be wins and losses, but it also sort of has to be. And I just think what what Oliveira's done. I mean, oh, he's been he's been 
Amazing. He's had a great year. I'm always interested when they have these MLP conversations. It always seems like it might as well be called the best offensive player. Because Matthew Betts has had a monster year out there in BC as well. He's got a ton yeah. of sacks, and he's really made a difference there as well. But, um, you know, I've been really impressed with Brady Oliveira, obviously, and really impressed with Zach Claros. I mean, any of those three, you can even throw VA in that conversation so, for potential MLP. And I'll be, like, totally honest with you. I sort of vote for it as most uh, most outstanding offensive player right. like to be honest like um it would take and i mean i think solomon aluminium is the only player who has won mop as a defensive player am i right about I that believe, um, that i can remember yeah, yeah th- that i can remember um i'm i'm 95 sure that that's true um you would just ha- i mean matthew best has 17 sacks he's had an outstanding season so it's not like he he doesn't deserve consideration but right. i always a little bit lean towards there's a but it's not fair. Like those aren't the rules. I shouldn't right. be making up my own criteria, and I recognize that. But well, the, you, the 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 tough part of all this is there is a defensive player award. That's what I mean, right? right? Like they so, have their own award. And, totally. So I mean, when you look at the most outstanding player, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, most people lean towards offense, unless there's just such an exceptional year, similar to baseball. How you know the baseball, uh, you know, there could be a pitcher mm-hmm. that wins MVP. Yep. It doesn't happen very often. They just give them the Cy Young and they move on. So same idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have Betts quite clearly as defensive player. And I I mean, that's the thing with Canadian. Then it becomes him and Oliveira again, totally. right? Um, so I actually don't know. But he probably, I mean, he he's definitely, you're right. He deserves consideration. Um, but no, I will tell you that I, I probably will not vote for him for most outstanding player. I don't. This may get me in trouble. I don't know how many people listen to the podcast, but there might be a couple of people who are mad at me for just kind of making up my own rules and going with it. But I do. I mean, ultimately, and there there has been considerable amount of debate about this. Am I wrong that Chad Kelly sort of has to be league MOP? He's had a tremendous season on the best team. He's the best player on the best team right now. I think you have to give it to him. I agree. Yeah, I don't. And I, I do think I've said this a number of times on the podcast, but I get that he doesn't have the passing errors that sort of a Vernon does. Um, but he hasn't needed to score plenty of touchdowns, won a lot of football games. Yeah, the point of this game is is to win. It's not to put up big numbers. Right. And I, I just think Chad, when he's had to, has been amazing. And the fact that there are only two losses or a game he didn't start. And then a game where he went out at the end of the first quarter tells you a lot about how good this guy is. For sure. I mean, he's, he's a guy that, you know, he got his opportunity to play in the great cup last year. And this has been Chad Kelly time since, and yeah. he's done a great job and played very high level. And, you know, they could be one of the best CFL teams of all time if they went out here. So, you know, it could be a team that ends up with 16 wins. So, I mean, historic season, done a great job. I mean, he should be, you know, very popular in Toronto, and uh, hopefully he is here as we uh, go through the playoffs. I wrote an article today about how him and uh, Calgary Flames defenseman Dennis Gilbert have known each other since they were very young. I have one more question because I have you here. Sure. Do you think the Stamps are going to make the playoffs? They have BC this weekend. I think they're going to lose that game, but then I honestly think that the Bombers are going to rest a bunch of guys and close down their playbook for that final game of the season. Yeah, so, I mean, BC, this is BC's last game because they do have a bye next week. And, I mean, they're not really playing for anything. If the, the, the Obviously, the time of the games makes things a little bit different, but they would assume that Winnipeg's going to win against 7-10. You have to assume that. You would assume that. So, I mean, based on that information, BC might not play all their guys either. And, I mean, when VA has been beat up a little bit back and forth this year, maybe they sit him. Maybe they you know, have some different players on offense. But, I mean, the Stampeders, they need to take care of business. You know, they've been blessed that they're in this position. Yep. And hilariously enough, if they win and Sask loses, they get to rest next week against Winnipeg also. <laughs> so we could have all the backups playing, and the Stampeders could be a six-win team going into the playoffs able to rest because they've already locked up their spot. So I think this is more of a function of how bad Saskatchewan has been since Labor Day. <laughs> I, and, I hate beating up on them. I'm not yeah, trying to. I, might as well hop on. But, <laughs> uh, I mean, they haven't won since Labor Day. They've played very poorly. It's similar to last year, and, I mean, that that's a tough the, the tough place to be. And now the Stampeders, you know, despite, you know, losing a lot of close games, losing a couple in overtime, they still have an opportunity to put their mark on the season and hopefully they can get in the playoffs here. And then who knows? I mean, how I've I've been a Stampeders fan long enough that I've seen a 15-win Stampeders team lose to an under 500 team in the Grey Cup. Yep. So I know anything can happen. I know that there can be bad weather. There can be lots of different things that play into it. And who knows? You know, they get an opportunity to play in the playoffs. Maybe they can make some noise. I mean, yeah, the St. Peters were eight wins 
an eight win team when they won in 2001. Um, the last thing that I will just say is I need at some point, someone like smarter than me needs to do a forensic analysis of how the Saskatchewan Rough Riders went from beating BC and then beating Winnipeg in back-to-back games. End of Blowing August. them out. Like they beat them handily. And then all of a sudden it just, it's just gone. Like there's just nothing there. So I, I, I think it's fascinating. Um, I'm getting a coach from around the league because I had you on and I was like, I'm going to talk about O-line. And this coach was wanting to give me his thoughts on who should probably be off- offensive line. He said, Ryan Hunter, Dijon Allen, and Darius Racco from the Argos. Drew, De- Drew Dejarle from yeah. Ottawa. Uh, this is probably the East, presumably. And then... <laughs> I don't know the name of the Montreal left tackle and he's doing this very quickly. And he's like the left tackle, the left tackle. So we're not going to say who the coach is. Um, dude, I've kept you here for, for 33 minutes, which is, you know, me completely abusing your, your yeah, kindness. No so I super appreciate you coming on. This is fascinating. I hope people enjoy it because we don't talk about offensive line enough. So now is the time to do it. Uh, anything you want to plug? Uh, no, I think that was good. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks buddy. Guys, what are you doing tonight? I don't know what you're doing tonight. You're probably looking for something. Guys, you got to go check out Mike's Pub. This is probably my favorite pub in the city, 1330 15th Avenue Southwest, right in the Beltline. Honestly, they do it all. I, for years, played trivia on Wednesday nights at Mugs. It's the best trivia night in the city. Other nights, they got music. They got specials every single night. Some of the best food and drink specials in the entire city are at Mugs Pub. You want wine. You want beer. You want cocktails. They got it all. Big fan of their fish and chips. They got some amazing pizza. You want to watch the game? They got TV screens. You want to just have a drink with friends? Perfect spot to do it. You want to have some food? As I said, it's delicious. Mugs Pub. We love having them as a sponsor. We love having them just down the road from us here at our studios. Check out Mugs Pub. They're the best. All right. Thank you to John Bender. We just took a little break. We just hung out. We just gossiped a little bit off camera. And now we're going to wrap up the show. I am super, super appreciative of John for for stopping by and uh, giving us that perspective. I hope you guys enjoy that. I I think it's important that we talk not just about the quarterbacks. This is something that I am somewhat critical of of fans and other media about, of putting too much focus on on certain sort of glamorous positions. And here we are. We're this time of the year. And guess what, guys? I just got an email from Lucas Barrett. We're literally, like, it's 427. I am looking at my phone to tell you, 416, the Calgary Team Awards. We're getting the emails. It is award season. It is time to start debating this stuff. You guys know where I stand on Chad Kelly. You know where I stand on Brady Oliveira. You know where I stand on a lot of, of, of my voting. But I do think that the offensive line is always where I fall short and some of my other media members fall short. So I think that's awesome that we actually just kind of got to sit there and talk about it and get that perspective, that stuff about, Oh, it's third and three. Are they going left or right? I think that's like that's stuff that we don't always understand. That's stuff that if you've played offensive line and you really understand that part of the game, that's that that makes sense. That that's what you're looking for. So, really quickly, again, thank you to John Bender. Um, hope you guys enjoyed that. It's I don't think that we're seeing that type of conversation around the CFL. Um, and yeah, I'm glad that we got to do something a little different. Also, love that John suggested. The Stampeders might beat the Lions and the Argos might beat the Riders. I don't think that's going to happen. I am going to be honest with you. I think the Stamps are going to lose to the Lions, and I think they're going to lose quite heavily to the Lions um, this week. Admittedly, the Lions aren't playing for all that much, so I can understand why there's, I don't want to say a suspicion, but I can understand why people are a little bit feeling like the Lions might rest some guys. And they they they, they might. I don't know how much you need to rest guys when you have a bye week next week. The big question is Vernon Adams Jr. Vernon has been insistent that he's starting. He's ready to go. Um, I Googled it. I looked at all the headlines. I have been following Farhan. I've been following everyone in BC, in Vancouver. Vernon seems very confident that he's going to be able to play this weekend. There's not really a ton of reason why he would hide anything. I mean, say, hey, I need the week of rest. We're not catching bombers anyways then you get a bye week and then you're hosting a home playoff game i don't really know that there's an advantage to you know sort of playing you know i don't know sort of hiding anything right now but apparently vernon starting i saw the lions like that was the worst beat down the stamps have received this season was definitely mid-august um in vancouver they took 
a penalty on the opening kickoff. They were down 17, nothing like seemingly in like three to four minutes. It killed me because I love Vancouver in the summer. I wanted to be at that game. And instead I was sitting on my couch watching the team that I cover just get absolutely outclassed. But I, I have a really hard time seeing the Stampeders beat the Lions. And yet I still think that the Stampeders will beat the Bombers in their final game of the season and somehow make the playoffs. And honestly, that will just be the, it's ridiculous. It's hilarious to me. Um, I think the Riders fans, those who are not completely checked out, are going to be upset about it, and I do not blame them. But the Riders, you got to beat the Argos. You might be beating the half Argos, the zombie Argos, the Argos team that, you know, leaves half their half their team at home. But I still think that the Argos are going to win that game. I just, I think the Argos, you know, Bender said, I just talked to Bender off, off air. Bender said that there are three great teams in the CFL. I do not disagree with him. I think Argos are one, Bombers are two, Lions are three. That Those are my power rankings. But I think that that list is not the list of all the good teams. It's the list of the great teams. I have both the Alouettes at 10 and 7. Like, 10 and 7 is not nothing. Like this is The Alouettes have had a really good season, and we're sort of underestimating them. They've won four in a row. That's... They're the hottest team in the CFL. Now, the Argos, again, they're only lost. They literally didn't play the league MOP, Chad Kelly. But, like, the Alouettes have won four in a row. The additions of Sean Lemon and, and Darnell Sankey absolutely have, have taken that defense to a different level. Um, like, they have third most, third least points allowed. That that That's a very, very good football team. I have them, and then I, I still think that the Ticats are coming on. I think that the Ticats are not. They're going to have something to say about what happens in the playoffs this season, and yet they still could lose in the semifinal. I think Montreal is that good. I can't wait for these playoffs. I'm just, I'm already there. I'm These next two weeks, you've probably heard it in my voice, both this weekend's podcast with Ian Busby and Jamie Nye and, and, and this podcast. I'm not all that excited about these next two weeks. I don't love the games. Um, I don't love that we're looking at no, I hate. I'm not going to say I don't love. I don't at all think it is good for the league that one of the riders or Stampeders are just going to stumble into the playoffs. I, I, I wish that it was more competitive. I wish we thought these teams were playing well and and gaining momentum and all of that. And I just don't think that's going to happen. And I, and I hate that. I always think that you want the teams that make the playoffs to sort of be on be on the rise and be on an upswing. And I, I don't like these next two weeks because I just think, oh, the Stampeders have to be one of two teams that may not care. That's not fun. But then I look at the playoffs and I look at the possibility of the Alouettes at home against the Ticats in the semifinal. That game is going to be amazing. I think both those teams are on the rise, as I was talking about. Ticats, most of us were ruling them out in August. Now they're back. But Levi Mitchell looks pretty good. They've got Matthew Schultz. That's that's just a good football team. The defense is locked in. Um, I'm I'm very impressed by these Ticats, and I fear them in the playoffs. They have this this reputation and just this ability to beat teams in the playoffs. They've made two of the last three great cups. The Alouettes, as I said, they've added key pieces. I, I like that O-line. I, I think that it's a really cool redemption story for the coaching staff, for Cody Fajardo. I'm, I'm just, I, I want to talk about the Alouettes only in positive terms, only in glowing terms, because I think they deserve it. And then the Argos, possibly a historically great CFL team. I've said that many times. We're going to say it again. If they end up, if they end up with only two losses, um, I mean, there aren't that many teams in CFL history who have ended an 18-game season with two losses. Then I look at the West Final. Man, we're presumably going to get Bombers-Lions. I love that. That's going to be a huge, huge fun game in Winnipeg. It has been brought up I, last night, which would have been Tuesday night. Real lot of tweets. More tweets than I would expect. So they don't follow that many Winnipeg Jets writers or, or fans. But real concern about the attendance in Winnipeg for their NHL team. No concerns similarly about the Bombers. They sell out. What does that tell us? I don't know what it tells us, but it tells me that the Bombers, um, you know, the Bombers are doing a lot of things right. And we've talked about how the Bombers regressed, how they dropped off. I am 100% confident saying that they have not regressed and dropped off to the point where I would pick against them in a West Division final, played at home in frigid Winnipeg the tundra of Manitoba I don't know if it's tundra I don't know what the like geographic I don't know how we describe the bombers prairie tundra 
I don't know. Love you, Winnipeg. Sorry to sorry to do this. Great town. Um, guys, I got nothing else to add. Um, I'm just vamping here. Appreciate you all. Appreciate John Bender. Appreciate Mugs Pub. I talked about their, their weekly specials. You know their happy hour is great. You know how much I love their trivia. Best of the city Wednesday nights. Man, love Fraser and Fig. We got to talk more about Fraser and Fig early in the season. Every episode I was talking about their charcuterie boards. Love, love Fraser and Fig charcuterie boards. Guys, I love all of you guys. Please like, subscribe, pass it on. Tell your friends. Tell your fellow CFL fans. We're just having fun here, guys. We're having a good time. Thank you to the Nation Network. Thank you to my producer, Jack. Thank you to my editor, RJ. Thank you to everyone. I'm just filled with gratitude. Appreciate you tuning in. Have a great one.